Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. In God's household, positions are obliterated, distinctions are done away with, and we are all raised to a level of sonship or daughtership with the kingdom of God. That's what James is telling us. It's a contradiction of showing favoritism. The contradiction of showing favoritism. Listen to verse 1 again. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and As Pastor Ed continues his teaching through the book of James, he'll be exhorting us to not show favoritism to anyone. As a member of the same body in Jesus, we are all leveled out on the same playing field because we are all sinners in need of a Savior. There is no one that is greater than any other. The word favoritism in the Greek means to scan the face, meaning that showing favoritism is when you look at the outward appearance and place a label on someone and treat them as better or worse than another. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith. Second chapter, James chapter 2. A number of years ago, in Central Park, there were two young boys playing. And then a dog with rabies attacked one of the young boys. And the other boy got a stick, pushed it in between the collar on that dog, and just turned it and killed the dog. There was a newspaper reporter right there at that time, and he thought, boy, what a newsworthy story. Young boy is a hero. And he said, son, it was football season. He said, son, tell me, are you, uh, your young Jets fan rescues his friend? He said, no, no, I'm not a Jets fan. He said, well, all right, young Giants fan rescues his friend. He said, no, 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 I don't care a thing about football. And so the newspaper reporter wrote, young man violently attacks family pet. (laughs) Well, our prejudices can impact the way we see things and the way we report things and the way we record things. James is going to nail us to the wall. Prejudiced is not a new problem. Favoritism is not a new problem. It's been in the church way back in that New Testament church. James had to deal with it. And all through the centuries, it's a sin that has subtly creeped in and hindered the work of God. And this morning, James is going to address favoritism in the church. Chapter 2, verse 1. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges 
with evil thoughts? Listen. My dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? You have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? What powerful, pertinent words. There was a program on PBS called The Manor House. The idea of the project was to have people live like they would have lived in an English manor back in 1906 and that gilded age. Now there was a strict division between labor and between place. Those two areas. The top of the heap was the lord of the manor and followed closely by the lady of the manor. At the bottom of the heap was the hall boy. That boy didn't even have a room to sleep in. He literally slept in the hall. Now, the lord of the manor as they did this project, was not allowed to speak to any of the servants, only the butler, and occasionally the footman. And the lady of the manor, if she walked through the hallways and the servants were there, the servants had to bow their head and go off into an obscure corner as to be not seen. And they couldn't dare speak to the lord of the manor or the lady of the manor. So this project showed us what it would have been like to live in 1906 at the end of that gilded age. Now we're very aware of prejudice in our country and the wrongs done to African Americans in our nation. And I believe that we've paid deeply and are paying deeply and it's a sin that we have to repent of. Favoritism should never exist in the household of God. In this household, in that manner household, people had their place. They knew their place. But in God's household, positions are obliterated. Distinctions are done away with. And we are all raised to a level of sonship or daughtership with the kingdom of God. That's what James is telling us. It's a contradiction of showing favoritism. The contradiction of showing favoritism. Listen to verse 1 again. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. What does favoritism mean? In the Greek language, it spoke about the receiving of the face. That means the lifting up of the face. The idea is you scan a person, and suddenly you place a label on them. You look at them, and you size them up in a moment. James is saying, don't do that in the household of God. Don't show favoritism. Why? Well, it's the contradiction between our confession of faith and favoritism. You can't make this confession of faith and hold favoritism at the same time. You just can't do it. Listen to the text again. My brothers, my brothers, 
When a person embraces Christ as their personal Savior and is brought into the family of God, they come in as brothers and sisters. And it contradicts our faith in Christ. Because Jesus Christ has raised us all to the position of the family of God, brothers and sisters in the Lord. In Leviticus 19.15 it reads, Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Faith in Christ means that we're going to look at people with the eyes of God. The way God looks at you, you're going to look at others. God didn't choose you because of favoritism. Not many noble, not many great, Paul tells us, were called into the kingdom of God. It was the poor, the frail, the weak, sinful men. God called us, and then he gave us the status of sonship, and to obliterate that status and put another label on it contradicts the faith that we profess and have embraced. It's a contradiction between our confession of Christ and favoritism. There's a contradiction there. Uh, to show favoritism means you're going to contradict what you say. He's called who? Who is Jesus called by James? The Lord of glory. If we're caught up in the glitter of gold and it obliterates the Lord of glory, then we are denying the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. If we call him Lord, we have to treat one another the way he treated us. How has God treated you? How has he treated you? Then you're to go and treat others in that same way. In Romans 2.11 it says, For God does not show favoritism. God doesn't do it. A woman from the wrong side of the tracks happened to go into an uppity-up church. At the end of the service, as the tradition was, if you were interested in membership, you would come down and see the pastor. At the end of the service, she came down. She had come from the wrong side of the tracks. It was obvious in that church. And she said, Pastor, I'd like to become a member. He sized her up and said, Ma'am, I'd suggest to you that you go home and read your Bible every day for an hour. And then if you still want to, come back next week and tell me. Well, she did, and next week she was back, and she was up at the front of the altar. Pastor, I'd like to become a member. He said, I have another suggestion for you. I'd like you to go home every day this week and pray for an hour and seek the Lord's wisdom and guidance in this matter. So she did. The next week she came back. There she stood in front of the pastor once again, and the pastor said, I think you ought to read the Bible and pray. <laughs> Well, the following week, she wasn't there. Six months later, the pastor met her in the street. He looked at her and said, I uh, haven't seen you. How are you doing? And uh, how did that work out in your mind? with marriage? She said, Pastor, I did exactly what you said. I went back, I read my Bible, and I prayed, and I uh, prayed, and I read my Bible, and I sought the Lord, and he spoke to me. Well, what did he say? 
He said, well, I've been trying to get into that church for 20 years, and don't feel bad. They haven't accepted me. We have to be very careful as Christians that we don't show favoritism. That we don't look at a person and judge them by the color of their skin. We don't judge them by their educational backgrounds. We don't judge them by the clothes they wear or how they speak, or how they express themselves, because that's all sin. It's amazing how we'll do it. We'll just suddenly scan a person, and then we put them in a category. In the book Blink, there's a chapter called The Presidency of Harding. It may not be exactly phrased that way, but the Harding era. Uh, In that book, they talk about one of our presidents, Harding looked like a president. I mean, he was stately. It was his looks that got him into the Senate. And when he went into the Senate, he missed important votes on women's suffrage and prohibition. But because a newspaper reporter happened to like him, I mean, he described him with his deep, dark eyebrows and his graying hair and he had a resonant voice and just on the basis of his appearance they pushed him forward and when there was a deadlock at the Republican um, get together with the Republican party when they were getting together to nominate someone Harding was pushed forward historians say that he was one of the worst presidents in history You don't look at a person and suddenly size them up. Look at the way they dress. I wonder how far they went in school. It doesn't matter if you didn't graduate the sixth grade or you have a PhD. It doesn't matter if you have a portfolio that's just so long and you're affluent or you're on public assistance. When we come to the house of God, all those distinctions are to fall off. And we accept each other on the basis of brother and sister in Jesus Christ. It's amazing how you'll hang out with the good-looking people. Or the people that have been labeled as the in-crowd, maybe in school or in high school. That's favoritism. It's inborn into us that we just break off into groups. You know what it's like to be the last one picked for that game. You know what it's like to feel like you're on the outside and they kick you off the island. God says, don't show favoritism. In Jesus, it was said of Jesus, Then they asked him, saying, Teacher, we know that you say and teach rightly, and you do not show personal favoritism, but teach the way of God in truth. Wow. Jesus, you don't show favoritism. When God chose you, it wasn't because you were the best-looking person in the crowd or the most intelligent or the most gifted or You just had it all together, and God said, there's one for the kingdom. But um, we do do that. 
and it's sin, and it's wrong. James goes on to give us an example of favoritism found in verses 2 to 3. He tells us not to do it, and the indication is that they were doing it. In the Greek language, it gives you this implication, and it's implied that stop doing what you're doing. In verses 2 to 3, suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and the poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. What he does is maybe he scans his memory, goes back to an occasion in the church where he saw an usher treat two people differently. Now, obviously from the text, these are guests, visitors in the church. And it's not blaming the rich man for his wealth at this point. That's not what the point is. It's the way the church treated the rich man as opposed to the poor man. The rich man comes in and he has rings. In the Greek language, it it says gold-fingered. So he's the original gold fingers. (laughs) Sorry, James Bond. But But he comes in with his rings. And in those days, if you wanted to make an impression, you could go to a shop and rent rings. And so he comes in, and it says his his clothing, it was shining clothes, shining, brilliant. So imagine this man coming in with a carabine tan, and these shining, glittering clothes, and his Rolex watch. And immediately the usher sees him and says, hmm, he'll help out in the building program. (laughs) Give him the good seat. Then someone else walks in, torn clothing. Maybe they smell a little different. Anything you know? I don't want to distract anybody. Let me put him in the side, or in the back. It'll be better for him, and it will be better for the rest of us as well. He won't be uncomfortable. We won't be uncomfortable. So he rationalizes it, and James nails it. And says, you don't do that in the house of God. Your position in the world, your possessions in the world, do not determine how you are treated in the church of Jesus Christ. James tells us, don't show favoritism. Wealth does not make a person more valuable to the kingdom of God. Everyone is valuable to the kingdom of God. But we do it all the time. We look at a person in a nursing home at 90 years old, and maybe they're drooling, and we look at a child in the nursery who's drooling, and we put more value in the child in the nursery than we do the person in the nursing home. Each is a soul to God, and each is valuable to God. We look at the person that carries himself well and knows how to network and articulate and the other person that maybe the elevator doesn't go up all the way but when we look at them we value one more than the other God never does that he never does it the older person with a cane or the young person running on an athletic field Both of them have great value to God. Stop putting labels on people and determining their value. 
by how you size them up. That's what James is telling us. Don't confuse self-worth with net worth. In his autobiography, Mahatma Gandhi wrote that during his student days, he was fascinated and captivated with the teachings of Jesus. He was studying the Sermon on the Mount, studying the gospel. He decided that if Jesus' teaching could do away with the caste system in India, he would embrace perhaps Christianity. So in a bold step, he went into a church. When the church opened the doors and the usher greeted him, The usher refused to give him a seat and suggested that he go and worship with his own people. Gandhi left church and he never returned. He said this, if Christians have caste differences also, he said, I might as well remain a Hindu. What if that usher had extended his hand and said, here's the best seat, and he would have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Might not India look different than it does today? It was E. Stanley Jones, the great missionary evangelist, who one day asked Gandhi, you quote the teachings of Jesus so much, why don't you become a Christian? Gandhi's response was, I admire your Christ, but not you Christians. That was the gist of what he was saying. Christians need to be more like Christ. A pastor made a terrible confession in church. He confessed how one Sunday a couple of years ago, he gave an altar call. The Browns came down, and a young man came down. He looked somewhat disheveled. The Browns were a prominent family in the community. They were bankers, and they accepted Christ, and this young man accepted Christ. And they took a lot of effort at getting the Browns connected to the church. But somehow he lost track of the young man, and he was preaching on the Good Samaritan. And that Sunday morning, he stood before the church and said, You know, I've been a hypocrite. He said, you all know the Browns, and they all clapped because they were in leadership. They were involved in ministry. And he said, do you remember this young man? And people said, no, no, they didn't even remember him coming. He said, well, he came the same Sunday that they did. I sort of lost track of him. But here he is on the front page of the newspaper in Naples. He killed an older woman. He shot her to death. What if they would have discipled that young man? Might not his future and the future of that older woman been different? James is telling us that we have to be careful in how we deal with one another, that we don't show favoritism. Bill was saved on a college campus. He didn't know much about Christianity, but he knew he needed to go to church. So he came into the church. He had no shoes on. A torn t-shirts, jeans with holes in, and it was packed. Nowhere to sit. He made his way forward, and he sat in the very front, but he sat down right on the floor. Every eye watched. Everyone was looking. An older elder in the church in his 80s began to make his way from the back to the front, and every eye was on him, and this older gentleman took his cane, and he dropped it on the floor, and with great effort, 
he sat next to this young man, Bill. Programs like Building in Faith are wonderful, and we do know that God uses them in the lives of countless believers. We also know that just hearing God's Word is not enough. We must put into practice those things that we are learning. Pastor Ed is taking us through the book of James. We'll learn that we must be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Building in Faith. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. Again, to follow Building in Faith and access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. When you visit the site, you'll only need to remember today's date. Simply click on today's date. You can listen, download, and even share this message with your friends and family via Facebook and Twitter. If you have any questions, call us. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue sharing messages from the book of James. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you. Your word restores.